You're listening to The Forum Daily. It's May 22nd. You're listening to The Forum Daily. My name is Luke Betger. With me here, Brandon Richardson. We are lead pastors at Slate Church. Also, your host for The Forum Daily. Good morning, Brandon. How are you today? I'm doing good. Come on. Yep. Can't complain on a beautiful day like this. No, it's. I mean, this is what, day three or four of beautiful days. Yeah. It's like the longest streak this year as yeah. far as I'm concerned. When you lose track of nice days, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's beautiful outside. It's also a Friday, which is yep. nice. We're going into a wonderful weekend. Let's do it. Come on. Here, here we go. Yeah, this is great. It's a good day. Also, today's a great day because it's time for... That's right. It's Brandon and Luke's Friday Book Club. Come on. We've been reading through Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Today is our last day. We're done the book. It was part four of this book. We've been doing this four weeks in a row. And on our Friday Book Club, we just take a little bit of time. We talk through the book. We talk through what we've been reading, what we've been learning, all that kind of stuff. And we're going to do that today as well. Keep in mind that the book we've been reading is so, like there's so much we could literally talk about every single sentence in this book yeah uh-huh every like there's just like a deep truth in every single paragraph we're not going to be able to do that so if you came here for that reason we're sorry to disappoint you <laughs> yeah our book club is a snapshot it's whatever we feel kind of yeah. jumped out at us deeper dive into that um you need to read this book you need to read this book. It's an amazing, amazing book. And so we're going to start off uh, just jumping in. We're going to talk just about some of the stuff that, yeah, exactly, st stood out to us. And if we don't get past a couple things, then so be it. But um, it, it's awesome to be able to talk about some of this stuff. So we, we've been reading. It's called Book Four of Mere Christianity. That's kind of how it's split up. And uh, Book Four is called Beyond Personality or First Steps in the Doctrine of the Trinity. One, making and begetting. I mean, talk about just jumping into this. <laughs> it's like something that uh, before you read this chapter, you probably have never thought about. Yeah. It's like, what's the difference between making and begetting? And uh, it is significant, um, significant in that uh, talks about the idea that it's important for us to understand that Jesus wasn't created. He was begotten. He was with, he was um, alongside. Yeah. Um, but then it has actual implications to who we are. And uh, the fact that we can actually be begotten as well. That's what uh, the transformation of worshiping Jesus actually does in us mm -hmm. is we get, go from just created beings to begotten beings. Yeah. Um, That's exactly right. Yeah. I, I mean, I love how he lays this out, right? The idea that uh, a human can beget another human, like as we would like give birth and that human is essentially it, it's, it's such a it's such a strange line that kind of he he talks about here, but it's it's important to to kind of understand this. We can create something, yeah, but be, just because we've created it doesn't mean that it's made of the same thing as we are. Um, yes, it's come out of us, but it's not us. Whereas you can beget, for instance, a child. Now that is made of that is the same material that we are. It's it's a really interesting thing, and so when it comes to this idea of the Trinity. And we talk about, you know, the son of God and like, what in the world does that even mean? Um, what's going on here? When we understand that, that Jesus is begotten, but not created, uh, it changed things around because 
all of a sudden, um, uh, it's like we understand that Jesus is God. It makes a lot more sense to us when uh, when we understand that. Yeah. In fact, you know, he goes on to say in that first chapter, and this is why it's also important, is that uh, most people don't have the opportunity to live a second life where he's saying the Christian gets to live the spiritual life and the no- normal, ordinary life. Now, he's not co- compartmentalizing like somehow our normal, ordinary life is trivial. Remember, he's the he's the same guy that says, you know, we've got to value mind, body and soul all together. But uh, he says, when we believe in Jesus, we worship in Jesus, something curious happens in that uh, we become begotten. And he said, it's like the, uh, the you know, the idea of uh, a statue becoming a man. There's a, it, it's that drastic of a difference um, coming from just an ordinary man yeah. to a begotten child of God. And uh, yeah. I, don't, I, I mean, before reading this, uh, I had actually never considered that. Yeah, it's like it's like you know we talk at Slate Church a lot about this idea of we're going to come alive in Christ, yeah. right? So it's like yeah. the idea that uh, you know you can be created even in the image of. Yeah. Think of a statue that's made in the image of a human. Yep. That looks like a human, but it is not alive. So as Christians, we have been created in the image of God. Fantastic, <laughs> but it does not yet mean that we are begotten. That happens the moment that we accept Jesus as that's our right. Lord and Savior, that's and right. we actually come alive in Christ. And that's yep. like that idea of imagine a statue all of a sudden becoming alive. What a cool image that is actually yeah. Yeah. for us. I think it's like, uh, you know, and he, he says this in the book, like, you know, our world, we could look at it as a world that's full of a lot of statues. Uh, but we have the hope, we know that we're, that, that we have the ability as statues to come alive, to actually live a fuller existence. It's amazing. Um, and I think that that's just such a great way of looking at that. I think it's a, uh, it's really neat. You know, he says in uh, in chapter two here, the three personal God, he starts off by saying, you know, many people nowadays, they say, I believe in a God, but not in a personal God. And they feel that the mysterious something which is behind all other things must be more than a person. Of course, Christians agree. Um, but Christians are the only people who offer any idea of what a being that is beyond personality could be like. So all, all other people though they say that God is beyond personality, really think of him as something impersonal, that is, as something less than personal. If you're looking for something super personal, something more than a person, then it's not a question of choosing between the Christian idea and other ideas. The Christian idea is the only one on the market. And um, again, he goes into some really, really, really interesting things here, especially as he goes into talking about uh, these different ideas of dimensions. I mean, he, he goes into it here. He gets into some like, like interstellar stuff, you know, like we see him talking about like single dimension, second dimension, a third dimensional type thing. And it's like, dude, where are you going, man? This is, are we going to the fourth dimension in your book? Yeah. C.S. Lewis, you're taking us, you're taking us to the 12th dimension (laughs) where you want to take us, dude. I would go to the 12th dimension with C.S. Lewis. Same. But, um, it's, uh, yeah, it, 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 that, I think that that's like a really interesting chapter. What he talks about this three personal God and, um, and the way that he talks about it, uh, I think that he he does an extremely good job of taking a very complex subject, extremely complicated subject, and he does a really good job uh, bringing it into a level of concreteness in our lives, the way that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit interact. I think it's a pretty cool thing. Well, one thing that I really appreciate is he's talking about this idea of the intersection of science and and faith. And of course... At some point in 
history, it seemed like science and faith were at odds with one another. And the most rational argument for science and faith actually not being opposed to one another is that science, which is the study of how things are, um, essentially, I mean, if you really believe in in God and, and Jesus, I mean, it's just, it's further studying his creation. I mean, it's actually a beautiful thing to apply ourselves to science. One thing that we may not have thought about in this whole um, faith and science component is something that C.S. Lewis uh, dives into. And he says, uh, one could even argue that theology is an, an experimental science, right? Uh, which humans use an instrument, their whole selves, to study God yeah. and the spiritual Beautiful. life. And, uh, I, you know, again, something that I hadn't considered, but um, so many times we think, well, faith is different than science, but science is actually the experimental uh, uh, way of looking or, or discovering the way things are. And so if we apply our instrument, our whole selves, we can actually experience God. It reminds me of a, a quote I, I picked up when I was really young and trying to explain it to my friends, you know, well, here's why you can't see God. And it's like, uh, only those who believe in God can see God. You know, it's, it's this weird thing. Like you say, uh, show me God and I'll believe, but you've got to believe in in order to see God. And, uh, this is part of that whole idea, which is, you know, we're not becoming nutcases. If we were, there'd be a lot of Christians locked up in, in jail, in nut houses, in all these kind of things. Yeah. I don't think we have nut houses anymore. We call them different things. Right. But in C.S. Lewis's own uh, words. Sure. Uh, but we don't. What we see is actually uh, Christians are, are quite, uh, on the contrary, uh, really large contributors to society. Yeah. And so we can we can say that this um, experimental uh, situation that we find ourselves in with God in, on a scientific level, an experimental science, is actually quite reliable, um, because somehow they're able to somehow Christians have been able to uh, maintain their um, their rationality, well, in in some cases, and uh, and still believe and apply themselves to the spiritual realm. Yeah, I love that he talks in this chapter here about the idea that. God shows himself, more of himself to others, um, to some people than others. And it's like, well, why, wait a minute, why is that? And Lewis right. says that, you right. know, it's not because God is favorites, but he says it's impossible for him to show himself to a man whose whole mind and character are in the wrong condition, right? And then he uses this image of a mirror. Sunlight can shine on two mirrors, and the dusty one, the dirty one, yeah, is not yeah. going to reflect yeah, that light as well as a clean one will. And so he says you can put it even another way, um, that the, in again, exactly as you said, the instrument through which you see God is your whole self. But if a, a man's self is not kept clean and bright, his glimpse of God will be blurred like the moon seen through a dirty telescope. And it's just like, oh, yeah, this is such a good yeah. encouragement, a call to Christians. That, and maybe, maybe even for you listening, right, you're like, oh, I just want to see God more clearly. Yeah. And listen, we certainly believe that it's God's will that you would see him clearly as well. Now, he has certainly equipped you with what you need to be able to see him more clearly. The question is whether or not you're going to pick up, you know, the, 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 the cloth and wipe your mirror clean, uh, the, the mirror that is yourself, so that you can reflect his light more clearly or clean the lens of your spiritual life so that you can actually view him more clearly. And of course, I think a lot of the ways that we clean that lens is through... Uh, well, I would say number one, like just repentance, <laughs> like yeah, actually yeah. humility, coming before God and and asking Him to clean us from the inside out. Yeah. Um. 
but it also comes to really just this ongoing process of sanctification, becoming more like Jesus, uh, spiritual disciplines in our lives, uh, drawing close to him in his word, spending time with him in prayer, um, spending time serving others, all of these things actually yeah. clean the lens of our spirit so that we can see God. And not only that, but hear God more clearly, right? It's like all of a sudden yes. we're, we're, yes. we're tuning the radio frequency to, to a uh, more clear station instead of the static that may have been coming through. Yeah. And I loved what you were saying before, This I, really this idea um, uh, that, uh, you know, we need to, like, know God before we can see him. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. It, it seems to contradict everything that we know, but it's not until we accept him that we're going to actually be able to see yeah. him. And the yeah. great irony is that so many people have such a hard time accepting him in faith, yet they wonder why they're unable to see God. And yeah. I think he does such a such a wonderful job in like uh two sentences basically. Yeah, yeah. Like explaining just like hey, here's what it is, just so you know. Yeah. I mean, I I think of, you know, other things that we could relate that to cuz it seems like okay, well that's just, you know, that's confirmation bias. You okay, so you're right, going to start okay. believing and all of a sudden you're going to see God everywhere. Right. But I mean, it's it, you could imagine a few people with uh, very very subpar vision sitting in the same room. And, uh, you know, the, I think of my mom, she's got pretty strong prescription in her glasses. Right. So take a bunch of people with, uh, you know, that kind of, uh, prescription in their sun in, in their glasses, put them in a room and put an object on the other side of the room and say, well, th th it's in the room and everybody's going to go, no, it's not. I can't see it. Mm -hmm. go, well, it's very self-evident. It's right there. And everybody's going, well, no, it's not like th this is impossible to see. Well, what we're talking about is, uh, just giving these people some glasses, the lens of faith. And all of a sudden, it becomes, you know, uh, something that, that they can, uh, you know, uh, witness for themselves. So it's not confirma confirmation bias. If literally the tool in order to see God is faith, um, again, if, if all these people are completely nuts uh, that believe in God, listen, you can say it's confirmation bias all you want. I would agree. And we have specific examples of that in our world. But this is more like, you know, these people in the room. I love uh, near the near the end of the chapter, something that you know, I picked up from C.S. Lewis a long time ago, and it's aided me in my faith, which is um, basically he says at the end of chapter two that Christianity is as complicated as normal life. Mm -hmm. And he says false religions present a simplicity that's, uh, that is way more easier to accept than normal life. And, and I like this because, you know, he's, he's mentioning every once in a while a new religion pops up and promises something new. And we don't call these things religions now. Right. Uh, we call them the, uh, you know, the the new... Uh, we call it spirituality. Yeah. You know, uh, we call them Zumba classes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> All of a sudden, <laughs> someone's like, wait, what? <laughs> we call it Pilates. We call it Pilates, you know, <laughs> yoga. No, but when something promises more than what it can actually deliver, uh, this, is, this is, you know, a false religion. And so we call them many different things. And... Uh, what he says is that the beauty in Christianity is that it's as complicated as our lives. I love, you know, something that I picked up through this years ago, which is, you know, Christianity doesn't bring a, uh, you know, a complicated message to uh, simple lives. It brings a simple message to complicated lives. And if you, you accept that first stage and you, you accept the simple message of Jesus for a complicated life, what you'll eventually see is that as you spend more time with Jesus, once you accept the simple message, the complexities of that message, once you roll back the, the initial layer, can apply to all the complexities of your life. And I think that's really important to understand because 
I think sometimes we read the Bible and like, man, like, why is it so hard to sometimes understand this stuff? And we want to give up. And it's like, why wouldn't God make this self-evident? And it's kind of like, well, nothing in nothing in life that is good comes easy. And I decided to start riding my bike to to uh, to the office. And it's like, man, that's an easy thing to just say you're going to do. But then all of a sudden you got to think, well, how am I going to bring my lunch? Are they going to be closed at the office? You know, the reason why a lot of people don't do it is, I mean, there's work involved. Anything in life uh, that's worth doing is going to have layers to it. And I love that C.S. Lewis points out, hey, Christianity is the same. Yeah, going on, and uh, really probably one of the last things we'll talk about just for sake of time, I love in uh, in the next chapter, Good Infection, um, he talks about the idea that all sorts of people are very fond of repeating the Christian statement, uh, God is love, but they seem to fail to notice the idea that you can't make the fr- you can't make the statement God is love unless God contains at least two persons, right? So again, he's talking about the, the idea yeah. of the Trinity here, and it says that love is something that one person has for another. If God was a single person, then before uh, the world was made, He was not love, which of course we know is not true and very problematic. Of course, what these people mean when they say that God is love is often something totally different. They really mean that love is God, which is a whole different thing altogether. Um, but instead, we, we got to understand that actually God is love, and it's the love between the, the Father and the Son that makes that statement a reality. And then, of course, we have the yeah. third person of the Trinity, yeah. the Holy Spirit, as we would say. And I love what he has to say. He's, Lewis says, don't be worried or surprised if you find it or him, the Holy Spirit, that is, uh, rather vague or more shadowy in your mind than the other two. I think that there is a reason why this must be so. In the Christian life, you're not usually looking at him. He is always acting through you. So if you think of the Father as something out there in front of you, and the Son as someone standing at your side, helping you to pray, trying to turn you into another son, then you have to think of the third person as something inside you or behind you. Perhaps some people might find it easier to begin with the third person work backwards. God is love. I love this statement. God is love, and that love works through men especially through the whole community of Christians. But this spirit of love is, from all eternity, a love going on between the Father and Son. Yeah, I just think it's a beautiful way of phrasing this, an important way of understanding the Trinity, an important way of understanding the fact that, right, if we're going to make the this if we're going to make the statement god is love yeah uh we got to understand that there are there's more than one person to 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 god and that love uh it's interactive and um and i think that he does a really cool job there of sort of really pointing this out it's really interesting yeah and and this is uh this is something that is actually quite core to the christian faith in a way that maybe we don't realize some of the some of the major world religions, uh, Judaism, um, uh, oh, Islam, Islam. I kept wanting to say Muslim. <laughs> it's not what it's called. Islam <laughs> and Christianity. Um, obviously, we talk a lot in church about how um, Judaism and Christianity are different and how they differ. And essentially, it's in the person of Jesus. Well, in uh, Islam, it's it's quite the same. And Islam actually in the Quran makes a statement that Allah is, is not three. It actually goes to great lengths to point out that Allah is one. Um, the Quran actually also addresses the fact that Allah is love. And, uh, it's interesting because if you have, um, if you have a God that is only one and is love, either 
they uh, the god is loving themselves in perpetuity uh, uh which is actually not uh not the definition of love um for all of history or they are dependent upon their creation in order to experience love which is not the case with christianity but it is with islam so it, islam it, the idea is a lot actually created humans and in the illogical argument, it means that uh, Allah is actually dependent upon his creation in order to be love, which is not the case with God. God was already in our perpetual love within the Trinity before humanity was even created. That's significant. It means that God is not, is not dependent upon his, uh, upon his creation, which is actually a, quite a significant statement to make. What it means is that when we were created, we were invited into a love story by a very self-dependent God that just wanted to, us to be a part of it. It's a beautiful story, which and you know starts with this uh, kind of terrible act of us turning away from God, and then sometimes attributing being kicked out of the garden as like an anger thing with God. And and certainly he was angry, but being a father now, I also understand just the disappointment of sometimes realizing, well, now I can't have the same relationship with my creation. I think there was a lot of disappointment in the garden, not not as much hate or wrath or that sort of thing. It was like, hey, I, I got to guard them from this this uh, tree of the uh, knowledge of gar- uh, good and evil. Since they've eaten that, I don't, I don't want them to eat the tree of life and now live forever in their sin. I want to block them from that. I'm so disappointed I can't have the same relationship with them. I'm going to put a new plan into place. This idea that God is love is so, so, so significant core to our faith. He finishes off this chapter uh, in a great way, great paragraph. And kind of to sum up everything that we've been talking about, you know, it talks about the idea that we are not begotten by God, right? We are only made by him. In our natural, our human state, we are not sons of God, only statues, as we were saying. But now the whole offer of Christianity, what it makes is this, is that uh, we can, if we let God have his way, which can oftentimes be the hardest thing for us as yeah. humans, but if we let God have his way, we come to share in the life of Christ. And yeah. if we do this, then we will we shall be sharing in a life which was begotten, yeah. not which was made, which has always existed and always will exist. Christ is the Son of God. And of course, he ends the chapter saying, every Christian is to become a little Christ. The whole purpose of of becoming a Christian is simply nothing else. We can become begotten by God, experience the love that exists between the Father and the Son, and have within us the Holy Spirit that outworks that love through us into the world around us. It is a beautiful, incredible thing. It's very deep. We want to encourage you. You know, if you if you love this, make sure you read the chapter, study it more. Like this is like the surface of the surface of the apple peel into like what yeah. you could study. Yeah. I mean, people have PhDs in this. Yeah. And so you can like go deep, but it, it's an incredible thing. And it can actually really change the way that your faith is when you kind of understand some of this stuff. So we would encourage you to go deeper with it even. Yeah. And the, one of the reasons, you know, we get this question all the time, like, okay, I want to start reading theology. Where's a good place to start? And, you know, it's always tempting because it seems like we're always given the same answer. Well, you need to read C.S. Lewis. And the reason for it is because C.S. Lewis seems to have given one of, you know, some of the greatest contributions to Christian orthodoxy in our, you know, in our century. Yeah. And so uh, the reason you start there is because actually quite a lot of really, really good thinkers today have actually uh, built a foundation of their thinking based on C.S. Lewis. So 
you want to understand a lot of other stuff, read C.S. Lewis in order to get a foundation for yourself. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you can't veer from it. Uh, C.S. Lewis wasn't a perfect man, wasn't perfect in his theology, but it does give you a basis for Christian orthodoxy and you know where to think from. So mere Christianity is staple work. Start there. If you haven't been reading along, but anything has intrigued you, as Luke said, pick up the book. Pick it up, read it, enjoy it, learn from it, grow from it. Awesome. That'll do it for today. We will come back with an announcement about uh, the next steps for our book club and and what we'll be doing. But uh, hey, congratulations on another book read. Well done, everybody. Two. If you've been following, you've you've read two. Way to go. Or uh, if you haven't been reading, you've gotten the Cool's Notes version for two. <laughs> well done. The, the well L- done. The LB version, Luke and Brandon, or Luke Betker. Or whatever. <laughs> well done, everybody. Hey, well done. why don't you, we haven't said this for a while, why don't you share the podcast with as many yeah. people as you can? There's right. actually quite a few. We just got the updated stats for our podcast. Yeah. We're going to be sharing those with Kingdom Carriers yeah. uh, tomorrow. Yeah. If you don't know what that means, uh, don't worry, it's part of our church. Um, we're going to be sharing those stats with Kingdom Carriers tomorrow. There are a lot of you listening. Yeah. A lot of you, a lot of a lot of hours spent. We're thankful for it. So yeah, we don't want to waste your time. We hope that you're having a good time with this. But make sure you're sharing with people. Uh, rate, review, subscribe to whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. Make sure you're recommending it because this actually really helps us. Absolutely. Listen, we have no shows this weekend. We'll be back on Monday. Have an awesome weekend. Please join us for church on Sunday. We'd love to have you. Go to slatechurch.com, and you can join us there. All the info is there. Let's invite people to church. Let's bring our faith. It's going to be an awesome weekend at Slate Church. We love you. Thanks for listening, and we will see you again on Monday. Thanks for listening to The Forum Daily. Don't forget to check out Slate Church on our website at slatechurch.com. And be sure to follow us on social media, on Instagram and on Facebook as well, for all the updates that you need to know.